Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, welcome back to the show. Uh, here is the third Christmas homily. Uh, it was supposed to be with Fate Haygood, but uh, sad news, Fate had to cancel last minute. Like, I already had the first two of these posted, and uh, just minutes before I was about to record, uh, Fate had some stuff come up with his church, and we got much love for Metro. Love that church. And so uh, church takes uh, supremacy over uh, recording this podcast. So uh, sorry about that. No Fate today, but uh, we'll get him back on another time, another place. But... Um, yeah, here's a sermon I did, and uh, this will be the last uh, podcast uh, for a couple of weeks. We'll get back in January, uh, maybe the second week of January. I have some stuff for you, but uh, very grateful for all the support you had of uh, the podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thank you uh, for leaving a nice review on iTunes, which if you haven't, you know, it's Christmas time of year. Christmas spirit says five-star reviews, and... Um, yeah, thanks for all the support. Had a lot of great uh, conversations this past year, and those would not have taken place without your support. So thank you for even just downloading and listening. It's much appreciated. And so uh, what we're going to do today, since there's no fate, I'm going to play you a sermon I did from this past Sunday. It's Christmassy. It's Adventy. And, uh, and, I, and I forgot one joke in here that, you know, it just ate me up. That afterwards I realized, oh, I didn't tell this great joke. Um, and, it, you know, there's a thing I do about Einstein, and then I make a comment about how Einstein is a guy that gave us so much, the general and specific theories of relativity, the uh, imperial evidence for the atomic theory, the size of a molecule, all while also starting a nationwide bagel shop. It's pretty impressive. Um, didn't get to say that in this sermon. I just forgot. You know, it's what happens when you have notes up there. But uh, I get to say it now. And so there you go. There's my Einstein thing I left out in this sermon. And I uh, hope you enjoy. Uh, during the season leading up until Christmas Sunday, we've been reading through uh, the first chapter of John. It is a beautiful cosmic poem that tells the story of how the Word became flesh. And what we'll find in this text is there's not a whole lot of animals. There's not a lot of shepherds or magi. But what we see is the beautiful picture of the word becoming flesh. And so I'm going to invite Maya and Kenneth Leek to join me on the stage and to read us in this text. If you are physically able, I would like to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. 
From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. Amen. The word of the Lord. You can be seated. So some eight decades ago, uh, in a New Jersey college town, a mother was aghast to find that her 10-year-old daughter had been talking to the neighbor who lived across the street about mathematics. And the 10-year-old daughter said to her mom, but this man helps me understand math in a way that I never did before, and I think he likes me. And her mom said, yeah, but you can't bother this man. And it was this man right here. It was Albert Einstein. Uh, Residents of the New Jersey college town, Princeton, quickly noticed that this man, when he moved to Princeton in 1934, was an unassuming man. He would often be found sitting in front of his apartment across the street from Princeton Theological Seminary, just reading a book. And the man who created so much, the man who gave us E equals MC square, just quietly and unassumingly moved into the neighborhood. Uh, Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase of the text that we read just a second ago from John chapter 1, paraphrases it this way in verse 14. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. And this word became flesh, just moved into the neighborhood. The one through whom all things that have been made were made simply just moved to the neighborhood. In more literal translations of John chapter 1, this idea of being moved into the neighborhood is often translated dwelt or lived. And it's the same idea of what God did for the people of Israel. In Numbers chapter 35, Scripture tells us this. This is from God. You shall not defile the land in which you live, in which I also dwell, for I, the Lord, dwell among the Israelites. This idea of dwelling among or living is what God did first through God's presence with the Israelites, but now in the person of Jesus, God now dwells with all people. This is the story of Christmas, of God moving in to the neighborhood. But the way that God does it in Jesus is so drastically different from the way our world works. So drastically different. Verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh. When you think of flesh, you can think of a lot of things, but one thing about flesh that's true is that it's not, it's not always strong, it's not impenetrable. As Jesus will later say to his disciples that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But the word comes down and lives in flesh. Now, some three decades before the time that Jesus was born, the Roman poets, Virgil and Horace, said that it was the age of golden, 27 BC, when the man who was born with the name Octavian who later went and was given by the name Augustus Caesar, ascended to unquestioned 
power. 27 BC, Augustus Caesar takes the throne, and he is the new Caesar. And there would be Caesars after him. There would even be a Holy Roman Empire after him. But not one of the leaders who would follow held as much power as the man who was born with the name Octavian and later took on the name Augustus Caesar. And Augustus Caesar took many steps to get to the top. If you were standing in his way, you would quickly find your life coming to a conclusion. Because he was going to get to the top. And he made no small effort to get there. The coins in your purse had his face upon it. And his face was in your heart, often filling it with fear. Because he was going to get to the top. And he even took some pretty drastic steps to get all the way to the top. Uh, So 27 BC, Augustus Caesar is enthroned. Now, his adopted father, Julius Caesar, who many of you know from his great orange beverage, in 42 BC had died, drank too much orange juice. True story. Not true story at all. He died in 42 BC. But 15 years later, when Caesar Augustus is now on the throne, he deifies his already deceased adopted father, which is a pretty strong power move, if you ask me. I often call my daughters princesses. I have three daughters. I say, you guys are princesses which is a nice power move to say, hey, I'm the king, right? But he literally was doing that. He caused his father a deity, which means he could take the name son of the divine, which if you've read your Bible, sounds very similar to son of God, right? So Augustus Caesar says, I will even make my adopted father a divinity so that you all think I'm divine. He was born in flesh, but he wanted everyone to think he was a god. It's the age-old move of power grabs. It's the age-old move of politics. Nothing has changed. We can often easily see this in the other political party, not the one that we support, but it's just as true of each and every one of us. The move to step up and to grab more power. The spirit of Christmas is the word becoming flesh. This gentleman right here, his name is Powers Hapgood, which is a strong name. Am I right? Powers Hapgood. Uh, based on his name alone, he got into Harvard, and he, he, he really did go to Harvard. He graduated, and upon graduating, he, was, he inherited his father's canning factory in Indianapolis. But after World War II, something happened, and Powers Hapgood did the unthinkable. He gave the factory that he inherited from his father to the workers of the factory. And then he started advocating for the poor. He was eventually in front of a judge because he was arrested for protesting, and a judge asked him, Mr. Hapgood, You are Harvard-educated. Why would a man with your advantages live the way that you do? And his response, the Sermon on the Mount. And before Jesus proclaimed what it looked like to take the step down in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus displayed it in his birth when the Word became flesh. He stepped down. 
I had a good friend text me some five years ago, and he told me that he had this great job opportunity. It was an amazing opportunity for him. And so my first response was, great, so uh, when are you going to go interview? When are you going to take the job? And he said, no, I'm not going to take it. I was like, what? And I texted him, what's wrong with you? Why would you not? And he says, if, if I ever take a different job, it'll be the other direction. And he described a job that had less pay and less status and less influence. And then I remembered, oh yeah, this is a friend of mine who takes Jesus seriously. The way of Christmas is the way of stepping down, but unfortunately, Christmas TM, trademark Christmas, that we live or in often is the opposite direction. Industry experts say that every year since the year 2008 and its recession, that the average American has spent more and more on holiday presents. Uh, Industry experts say that the average American in the year 2018 spent $880 on Christmas presents. And the expectation is that this year, the average person is going to spend $915. Christmas is a way of stepping down, but Christmas trademark, the season that we're in, capitalist Christmas, keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we miss the real spirit of Christmas. And sadly, in in our American fights over what Christmas is or the holiday season is, we have fought for more power and control when the real spirit of Christmas is giving it all away. It's about the word becoming flesh. All right, let me talk about Johnny Cash again. Now, I know I've talked about Johnny Cash a bunch this year, and I'm sorry about that, but I promise this is my last Johnny Cash illustration of the year. (laughs) Now, in the 1960s, there were plenty of influential people who wanted to make a statement about changing the world and making a revolution and change that should be coming. Uh, Famously, many of us heard the song, All We Need Is Love, which was sung to us by the Beatles. Uh, John Lennon famously held a sleep-in, which is different from a sleep-over, but still kind of weird. But Johnny Cash didn't do any of those. Instead, what Johnny Cash did was he performed in unair-conditioned maximum security prisons on makeshift stages dozens of times for no money. And for as powerful as a song is that is recorded in a fancy, luxurious studio, it doesn't hold a candle to the message that Johnny Cash communicated when he stood dozens of times in front of the people that many look at in our world as lepers, as those who don't deserve compassion. But Johnny Cash, by his very presence there amongst them, said they matter. My friend Richard Beck, in his book about Johnny Cash, who was the reason I've been talking about Johnny Cash so much, so blame him if you don't like it, he writes this in his book. He goes, Sergeant Pepper, which is an album by the Beatles, and Pet Sounds, which is by? All right, you guys are doing pretty good. Well done are regularly ranked as the number one and number two greatest albums of all time. But if hope is where you are, 
they don't hold a candle to at Folsom Prison. Words are nice and so are songs, but when it comes to justice and love, it's where you put yourself that ultimately matters. It's where you show up. It's where you're present. It's what you step into. You see, Augustus Caesar could step up higher and higher on the ladder, but from his spot perched above everyone else, he couldn't connect. All he could do is present himself as the source of security and hope. I'm the only one who can save everything. A promise that, of course, he, like no one, can live into. But when the word becomes flesh and steps down, he's able to extend grace. It's like this parable from the 12-step community. There was once a man, so walking down the street, falls into a deep hole. He's at the bottom of the hole now, and he starts crying out for help. And so a doctor walks by, hears the cries for help from the man down the bottom of the hole, and writes him a prescription, throws it down, and walks off. Next, a preacher walks up, hears the cries from the man down in the hole, writes out a prayer, throws in the hole, walks off. And then a friend walks up, hears the cries from the man down in the hole, and jumps in the hole with him. To which the first man says, what are you doing? Now we're both stuck. And then the friend says to him, yes, but I've been here before, and I know the way out. The way of the word becoming flesh is of God stepping into the hole with us. It's not God throwing something down, it's God dwelling with us. And God's saying, I know the way out. I can show you the way out. The story of Christmas is about God stepping down to be with us. So this Christmas, would we choose to live into the spirit of Christmas? The real spirit of Christmas. Yesterday, my wife went to Walmart. During the holiday, my wife went to Walmart yesterday. Let me say that again. My wife went to Walmart yesterday. Now, I would never do that. I wouldn't take in vain Al Gore making the internet for me. So I shop online. But she did that. And she was at Walmart yesterday in Austin. And she watched a fist fight happen. A fist fight broke out in front of my wife. Now, she stayed and watched what said something. But let's not talk about that. But there was a literal fist fight between relatives, and one of them ended up with a broken nose, blood was gushing out of this person's face. And the fight gets broken up by another Walmart customer, and then the Walmart employees all run up, and they have supplies to clean up the blood on the ground, to wipe it up, they have to spray everything. Which brings up some questions, doesn't it? Like, how used to fights are they that they walk out like they're UFC cutting and ready to clean up the floor? They have the stuff already. They're, oh, yeah, yeah, fight on aisle two. Got it. It's not new. They're ready for it. Because that's the spirit of Christmas that we see now. It's over a parking spot. It's over a gift. It's over the food we want. It's over the thing that we want to do. And maybe the invitation for us as followers of Jesus is that this Christmas we choose a different direction. Or we choose to give up instead of hold on to. We choose to go second and let someone else go first. We choose to forgive instead of to hold a grudge. 
I think we can all uh, thank the American political system for the recent impeachment because that means we are probably going to find ourselves around a dinner table sometime over this holiday season with someone who saw the exact same thing happen as we saw, but see it drastically different. And this Christmas, you are given an invitation to choose the way of Christmas when that comes up. So instead of doing the oh-so-natural thing and to regurgitate whatever idea you heard from your favorite talking head or the article you read on Facebook, to instead step down and don't give up what you think. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you step down and listen and try to understand where someone else is coming from. Maybe this isn't a chance for you to push someone else down because your ideas are better, but instead... You listen. Because the spirit of Christmas is about taking the step down. Here's why. Because from up top, you can't give or receive grace. It's only from down below. Verse 16, John 1 says this. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Fullness does not exist somewhere over the rainbow. It's not somewhere else. According to John 1, the fullness is in the word which became flesh. The fullness of God is in the person of Jesus. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The picture is that there is so much grace that it's stacking on top. So no matter how much you take, there is more of it. And when you receive grace, this unending supply of grace... It's going to change you because that's what grace does. Hayden Carlo is a man from uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He was recently pulled over by a Plano police um, officer. The police officer walked up to Hayden Carlo and looked in his vehicle and saw that the registration was expired on his car. So the police officer asked Hayden Carlo, "Why, why is your registration out? And Hayden, who works at a Sherwin-Williams in the Plano area, said, I don't really have an excuse. I'm just having a tough time making ends meet. And it was either get my registration updated, spend the 50 bucks on that, or get food for my two young kids. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I just didn't have the money to do it. So the officer walks back to his vehicle, comes back with a citation that's folded in half, hands it to Hayden Carlo, and walks away. Hayden sits in his car, finally opens up the citation, and inside the citation, what he finds is a $100 bill. And Hayden begins to weep. The Dallas Morning News hears about the story from Hayden's grandfather, and they asked him about it. And this police officer has chosen to remain uh, anonymous, But he said about that anonymous police officer that that act of grace did something to him. He'll never forget. And any one of us who's ever received grace understands that. That when you experience grace upon grace that we have been given from God in the person of Jesus, it changes us. And I know this time of year we need to hear it because we need to receive it. Because this time of year for us, for for many of us, is a time in which we are acutely aware of the grace that we need. 
Some of us right now are acutely aware of the regrets that we have, maybe from this past year or maybe from all the years before. Now you see the little kids on stage today and you remember when your kids were little? Think of what you should have or what you would have or what you could have done better. And the invitation this Christmas is to remember that there is grace upon grace for you. And some of us during this time of year, we are acutely aware of how much more everyone else is doing. And you go, I can't keep up with that. I can't give my kids that. I can't give my spouse that. I I can't do that. Maybe some of us are um, divorced and we see our kids' step-parents now who are able to give more than you can. I can't keep up. And that does something to your heart. And the reminder of the story of Christmas is that there is grace upon grace for you. That even when you don't feel like you're enough, that God's grace for you is. There's grace upon grace for you. So this Christmas, would you stop trying to reach up? Would you stop trying to grasp for more? But instead, would you be content to receive this grace upon grace that you have been given because God has stepped down to move into your neighborhood so you're not alone? Would you bow your head with me? God, some of us are so aware of our need that we don't have enough. We don't have enough willpower to always do the right thing. We don't have the ability to go back and fix the mistakes that we have made. We don't have the ability to to love those that we want to love in the way that they should be loved or to simply give them the stuff that we would love to give them. And God, in these moments, we remember that you have grace upon grace for us. So now I'm going to invite anyone who feels this need for grace to turn their palms up in an open hand posture. And God, as we open our palms and our hands to you, may this be a physical representation of our willingness to receive grace upon grace from you. The grace that is only afforded to us because you have stepped down to dwell with us. And so whether the grace that we need is the ability to be patient with that family member we're about to spend a lot of time with, or it's patience to forgive ourselves, or it's courage to be present in a painful situation, we open up our hands as a posture that represents our hearts. And we ask for your grace upon grace to sustain us. And God, now as we keep our hands open and we are about to receive the sacraments of the body that became flesh and died for us, and the blood that was shed for us, and we receive the body and the blood. May these sacraments of your grace to us remind us that your grace is unending, but there is grace upon grace. And it's enough. 
God, we pray this in your name. Amen.